Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Groundhog Day. How many days, how many games have we had like this? This was actually, at the, in some ways, the worst loss. But, um, I mean, in terms of grade A shots, they, the score was 7-4. Uh, the grade A shots were 18-15 um, to 15 for the Wild. But the, the significant thing is the subset of five alarm shots. They go in on average 33% of the time. And the, the Wild had 12. And the winners had five. 12 to 5. That's the... Uh, how many of those 12 went in? Oh, uh, no, you got me, Bruce. Now you got me. One of them was an empty mm-hmm. empty net goal, of course. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. Five of the six goals that were not empty net goals were five alarm shots. Four. Hmm. Yeah, Bruce. It's a month of darkness. We had a decade of darkness, and this is the month of darkness. It's not over yet. Month of mayhem. Indeed. All right. This is our two good things, two bad things, two numbers, and one conundrum podcast. Bruce, what is your good thing, Amundo? Oh, good thing from this game. Uh, I think I will have to go with forward Warren Fogle, uh, who scored two goals for the Oilers, uh, uh, really close together too. one late in the first to put him ahead and then one very early in the second to put him ahead again and two real nice shots. But uh, that aside, I thought his effort was good. Like he was, he was really hustling all over the ice, uh, he didn't, you know, it obviously didn't all work perfectly. He was minus three on this night, but guess what? There were others that were as bad or worse than that. And uh, some of that was guilt by association where uh, his uh, his line wasn't necessarily flying out there. But uh, but Fogel himself, uh, uh, I thought, had a, had a pretty, pretty strong effort. I thought so too. And he's, and again, in this calendar year, I wrote a post recently, he's been playing excellent two-way hockey for a winger. He's fully earning his contract. He's up and down the ice. He's hustling. He's making scoring plays. Doesn't always get a lot of points because he's not, doesn't have great finesse. He's no Kirill Kaprizov who will haunt the dreams of many an Edmonton Oilers player tonight. I can assure you, but Fogel is a hustler. Holy moly, moly, that guy. To give credit here, Bruce, like we're gonna, everyone's gonna be hard on the orders. The, the Wild have them. They're skill players, led by Kaprizov um, and Zuccarello. Um, those guys were fantastic. And Erickson Eck, his goal from the side of the net, where he pulled it back into himself and and flipped it up high over the goal. He pull, pulled it around and got off the shot. That was just. We we saw some fantastic skill plays. It was like watching yeah. the Oilers. Um, dissect the team uh, when the Oilers are on, which they have not been yet this year, except in one game. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Fogel's been playing well. Bruce, my good thing is another um, winger, Evander Kane. He's gotten some criticism, including from both of us and from many fans uh, for his play this year, including us wondering, like, okay, how's this going to turn out? And we have compared him to Milan Lucic uh, in his final years, which is a fairly unkind comparison. And I do think it's actually, I don't think, um, like, whatever happens with Kane, 
he is still an effective player in his own way, even right now when he's having a bit of trouble um, handling the puck. Uh, and he's effective because he is fast, he's ferocious, and he, he he's hitting he hits people on the forecheck when they have the puck. He separates from them from the puck, or he 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 knocks them. He just he just knocks them and you know off the rocker. He is a hard 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 hitter. Um, he stood up for a couple mm-hmm. teammates, got in a fight standing up for a teammate, um, scored a goal on a tip shot, made a nice pass to Bouchard for a power play goal, got the Gordie Howe hat trick. Mm-hmm. He found a way to contribute. <laughs> he led the team with four hits tonight. Um, he, It was his best game of the season. And, uh, man, the beating he must take on his body, hitting like that and fighting like that. Uh, it must be immense, but he's shown he can do it, and he's doing it for the Oilers right now. He's giving his all; he really is. And, I, and he he's in in he is be, he had a very effective game. And if he can just keep churning out games like that, people are gonna, people will shut up about the critic with the criticism. Well, they probably won't. But uh, it's um, <laughs> you're right. His his hands are frustrating i mean there was a number of times where it looked like he had a chance to make a good handle of the puck right in the slot he was in the right place the puck was there and he just couldn't get the touch that he wanted or needed uh first period i know it's that three or four times and then you know he did make one nice pass back to bouchard for the opening goal um but other times you know his his uh and how much of that is a cut on the wrist or how much of that is just his hands? I mean, I don't know how good his hands were at his best, but I know that he's no longer at that point. They were pretty still, good. Still, the tip was good. Yeah. And when those hands get turned into fists, they seem to do all right. And that guy, Brandon Duhame, that ran, um, well, First of all, he ran Brett Kulak, and then he crunched Derek Ryan about two seconds after Ryan had already absorbed a heavy hit from another player. And that's when Kane decided it was time to step up. And to me, I didn't mind it. You know, like that guy was running, running, trying to run Edmonton's show. And Evander Kane was uh, uh, there to respond, saying, you're not going to run our show. And uh, that was kind of all we heard from there, Mr. Duhame tonight. I mean, he played. I'm sure he's probably a depth player for them. I don't know much about the guy, but uh, I did notice uh, uh, Marcus Foligno throw a bare knuckle punch, sucker punch of uh, Vincent DeHarnay that somehow only wound up being two minutes to each player, and and Minnesota scored the clinching goal on the four on four. I thought that was a bit much, like bare knuckle punch. Against the guy who still got his gloves on when the you know the ref is kind of in between and he just cold cocked him basically and I mean Vince can look after himself and he did there but uh, to come out of that even was I wasn't too happy because I thought Felino really uh, you know he went outside the rules by some distance there glove yeah. punch no problem bare knuckle punch bang in the face. When the guy's not ready for it, or, you know, he's not ready for a bare-knuckle punch, at least. Problem. Anyway. Uh, I'm not sure if the Oilers got out-toughed in this game. They did not. They just got out-hockeyed. <laughs> they got out-skilled. 
No, they yeah. didn't. Not with. Uh, they didn't get out toughed. It's pretty. You know, when you have a Vander Kane in your lineup, you're not many nights where you actually do get out toughed. You know, he is a Vander Kane with the Manos mm-hmm. de Piedra, the hands yeah. of stone. <laughs> All right, Bruce. Roberto Duran was it? It was Roberto Duran. He was my favorite. I was yeah. quite a boxing fan back <laughs> in the day, and and I actually I think I paid to go see the pay per view of uh, Leonard versus Duran. No mas, no mas. That one. Ah, I don't even that remember. Was, that, was that was a bad that moment. That was a that was a bad moment for Roberto Duran. <laughs> That's to say the least. Uh yeah. All right, Bruce. We had our bad things now. Yeah. How many do we got tonight? Fifty. Yeah, but we're only going to do one because we're oh, not okay. Pile well, the orders had about fifty. I know it's a. It was a hot. <laughs> Super, we can just go on and on and yeah, on. Yeah, we could. I'm, I'm going to take five in one chunk, David, and I'm going to classify right. it under bad line changes. And the orders look like a, like, I'm trying to think of what league their line changes belong in. Certainly not the NHL or the AHL. Uh, you know, maybe they're, man, they took, Minnesota got three power plays in this game. And all of them were too many men on the ice penalties against the Oilers. Three times they completely messed up on line change that cost them a too many men penalty. Uh, first one is far enough back that I don't even remember the particulars. Uh, the second one, let's see now, that was uh, um, early in the second period. And uh, what the heck happened there? I did have it in memory. Uh but then beyond those three penalties, there were two brutal line changes. One that cost a goal, and the other one cost a three-on-one rush. One was where the puck was coming up the up the uh, uh, right-wing boards, and Matthias Ekholm, for whatever reason, the puck was coming right to him, and he decides to go into the bench. And Kane coming up behind, he's slow getting off, and all of a sudden it's a jailbreak the other day, way three-on-one. And thankfully, Campbell had the answer to that particular play. Uh, and then the other one was, uh, uh, well, there was too many men in the third period where one guy went to the bench and two guys right next to each other both jumped over the boards and jumped into the play. And the other too many men, that was Kulak. He jumped out when Broberg sort of skated near the bench and it looked like Kulak wasn't ready, so Broberg doubled back, and then Kulak jumped out, and then he tried to dive back into the bench, but by then it was too obvious. Yeah. It just was so, so, so sloppy. It's like, the, uh, you guys are pros. you got to be better than that. I mean, that's just basics. Yeah. You know, I mean, you got to know how to get on and off the bus. You know, it's they, they, huh. yeah, they really paid for it as well. And the one that, you're, oh, the one that, the one that you mentioned, mm-hmm. early in the third period, it's just it, it, the the puck comes out of the Oilers' end just barely. Oh, first forty Zach, seconds. That's right. No Zach right. Hyman decides this would be a good moment, moment to switch off just as they're charging in. Now Fogel went off first. Fogel and I goes the, off and the Hyman. Guy, the first guy, yes. The first yep. guy, yes. There was plenty of time, but by the time Hyman made up his mind, they were. It was like a four four guys, five guys rushing in the Oilers' end, and with three Oilers defenders. Yeah. So Zach Hyman who made just a stupendous play, like in the first period, charging up the ice 200 feet and then charging back on a back, or no, charging on a back check first. Just a great back check on the power play. Mm-hmm. And then uh, to to uh, where he was effective and uh, I think helping thwart the play, and then he goes down and they two-on-one with Nugent, he almost scores. 
he, he just had a brain cramp and he just he changed off this is like and and they score it's 30 it's 38 seconds into the third period they have a one goal lead burst they've got a they, they have earned a one goal lead they're holding on to it and they've got to win they got to get a win here they got to hold a one goal lead through the third period and what happens in the first minute of the third period Hyman makes a brain fart and they score a goal and Zach Hyman has been just playing lights out this year and this game too he was he was again he was one of their best players but that was a that was Hart, one of those Hartman from Zuccarello and Kaprizov. That's a good time for two forwards to be changing off at the same time when that line has the puck for the other team. In. Boom! I know how I know they were on the ice, David, because that was the scoring play on the on the goal that they immediately made Edmonton pay for that brutal mistake. That's right, and uh, so the Oilers they really couldn't allow one goal that period, and they allowed five. Like, I don't know what they were, like, we've, we've talked about them playing a zone. I saw a defenseman wandering all over, standing beside yeah. each other, forward standing beside each other. I don't know what they're playing. Like, you know, Kulak was wandering out to the blue line at one point, and the puck gets passed to where he should be, and there's a grade A shot. I don't know what they're playing at this point, Bruce. I can't tell. I, it's so bad. You just, in the third period at least, they just came unglued, and you couldn't even tell what they were doing. I, I think they're playing a zone. But in their own zone. But it, tonight it was just such a mess. Yeah, they they haven't caught on to whatever it is they're being taught. Uh, is for now worse than whatever it was they were doing last year. It is because they're just not. They don't seem to be picking up guys in in the slot. Um, and I thought that was kind of the purpose of the zone was you have guys in position and then those guys should actually make plays once in a while. And that's not my bad thing. My so my bad thing <laughs> is Evan Bouchard. Um, I, I predicted uh, on Oilers now that he might get ninety points this year. Yeah, like that would be the upper end of what he could achieve. He's now has eight points in six games. So um, pace for one hundred and ten. There we go. You know he could get ninety points. I'll, you know you're playing on that power play, and you're and you're um, Evan Bouchard with great offensive talent. But the defensive lapses tonight were significant. Um, he was, uh, we tagged him as personally one of the culprits on four goals against. The first two were, um, uh, you know, you can consider, consider them somewhat tough plays. He failed to take a guy's stick on an outside shot um, on the uh, first wild goal, and that player tipped it in the net. He's got to take that stick, and he failed to do it. You know, that's part of being a tough defenseman, experienced defenseman. And and um, the the, uh, the next time there was a scramble in front of the net, Campbell let out a big rebound. And I don't actually think Jack Campbell was going to get that. I think Bouchard was trying to make the right play, but he he didn't make it. He wasn't successful in clearing Absolutely. the puck and it went right to a wild, wild player. Yeah. The the third one, or excuse me, um, this is when the, t- the game was tied 3-3 in the third period, seven minutes into the third period. And it's a dump in Bouchard's on his backhand trying to get the puck off the boards, which is a difficult play. But it hits his stick and goes rocketing off his stick to a wild player who quickly, it's quickly pumped out front, pumped in the net. So that was not good. I mean, he, he's got to be dexterous with his stick. He's got to be safe. That's, that's his That's his thing. That's his wand. 
That's his one. That's yeah. He's got the uh, ostrich. Has to be deft. <laughs> and handling and clearing the puck when under pressure. Indeed. Um, he's he. Uh, but the, the the it was the the orders. So the orders got down um, five three. But then they got a power play goal. Kane's goal where Bouchard um, got the point shot and Kane tipped it in. Mm-hmm. And they're going along. And then he, this was his worst play of the game by far. The only thing you can say about it is they were one goal down with five minutes left and they're pressing to score. Right. But he makes a terrible pinch up at the uh, just outside the blue line and, and they're off to the races. The Wild are off to the races and they score a goal on the rush. And it was just one of those, like, again, these mental mistakes, Bruce, are just killing. There was dozens of, dozens of them in this game. Yeah. I mean, dozens it's ho- of them. Hockey, at whatever level you play, if you're playing equal competition, hockey seems super hard because it seems super fast. Well, at the it's- NHL, it's lightning fast. It's just unbelievably fast. Mm-hmm. So, nonetheless, this is the job, right? to play defensive hockey mm-hmm. and the owners are just getting smoked. Mm-hmm. They're getting smoked on defense, Bruce. They're not mm-hmm. close. And, um, and the yeah. goalies aren't bailing them out enough. I mean, they're Campbell dropped. made two or three remarkable saves tonight, but he had a couple of weak ones go in that fat rebound you discussed already. And the, the one in the third period where the guy came in on the, I mean, he had a great chance, but he kind of lost the puck on a, off the end of his stick and it went right in the net. Campbell well, that was, was playing bad. a move that didn't happen. Anyway, um, Campbell, he was left to his own devices, let's put it that way. And, uh, yeah. All right. Bruce, um, your numero. Yeah. Okay. Uh, your choices, David. It's like... Six games that the Oilers have, six times the Oilers have led in the game this year, including three times tonight, and only once have they managed to hold that lead. Um, so that's a number. Uh, but I'm going to go with one, four, ten against, which is Edmonton's combined score in the third period of uh, the six games so far this year. So it's like two full hockey games. So the first three games in the three third period, 60 minutes, they lost four nothing. And then the next three games, I lost 6-1. And that doesn't seem very good to me. In fact, it seems quite poor. And some of those games have been on the line. Some of them have not been on the line. But the fact is that Edmonton in the third period have got, I don't know if they're running out of gas. Like, what the hell is it? Like, I wonder if this, what kind of condition this team's in. And some of the others, you know, there's guys coming back from injury that just, you know, like, Ryan McLeod's got nothing in his tank, and uh, Ekholm is sort of rounding into shape, mm-hmm. and uh, Connor Brown, you know, we're still. But it just seems like come the third period of these games, and the the orders are getting overwhelmed. I'm not sure what happened tonight. I mean, they could five to one in the third period tonight's game, five goals against in a game you had a one goal lead. You know, I mean, you wanted to contend for the Stanley Cup, you know. Take a 3-2 lead into the third period and win 3-2. Try that for, you know, a change. Or win 4-2 or even 5-2. You don't lose 7-4. Yeah, their only chance of winning this game, I wrote... to score 10. 
well, what I wrote this afternoon was the only chance, seriously, the only chance that you got to, you got to let in three or less at most yeah. three goals. If you let in more than, to win. if you let in more than that, you just, this team, that's asking way too much and they asked way too much and, but they can't do it, Bruce. They can't defend. And, um, Not right down, okay. okay. My number is 4.5. The Oilers are allowing 4.5 goals per game, uh, six games into this season. This makes them the second worst NHL team in this category. The worst team is the other team that was mentioned repeatedly in Stanley Cup predictions, the Carolina Hurricanes. They're in seven games, they've let in 4.7 goals per game. So there's that. So who knows? Like, again, you know, the Oilers can still obviously dig their way out of this, and so can the Carolina Hurricanes. Easier for them. They've got three wins in seven games, so they're ahead of the Oilers on that count. But, um, man, two teams that had high hopes, high expectations coming in are just getting sieved. 31 and and 32 in the league, eh? Yeah. There were so many people that predicted over and over here on the radio or um, podcast or whatever, and they said, "Well, who's your favorite for Stanley Cups?" And they have, "Oh, well, I got Carolina coming out of the East, and I got Edmonton coming out of the West." Like it was a new thing, and it was like the same two teams over and over again. So it's kind of funny to see them both uh, having, you know, heavy struggles. It's not that funny, being an Irish fan, but it's, you know, it's it's um, Carolina proves that good teams can have bad times because they are a good team. And Edmonton, I'll maintain, is a good team, uh, and they're having very bad times because they have not yet gotten their crap together. Indeed. Okay. Tonight's conundrum, Bruce. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, like what? WTF? Like uh, Now what? what, (laughs) How I would word it. Now, yeah, now what? Now what is the conundrum? Okay. Now what? And, and I'll give I'll go first because I got okay. a ready right. answer. Right. And I've been saying this for some. I just think they need to make. I do think their forwards aren't strong enough. I know mm-hmm. this is really premature. Adam Ernie is just not mm-hmm. close to doing it, even as a role player. But there's other guys who are struggling, as you say. The Oilers could trade a three point five million dollar defenseman in CC or two point seven five million dollar defenseman in Kulak, who I think have trade value, for a veteran center or winger of, of equal contract or less contract. And um, I think they should do it. I think they should pull the trigger um, and make that trade right now. Get that, get another forward in here who can help this team right now because I think they need it. I don't think they have got enough good forwards. And um, that's what I would do. Yeah, well, that's... Uh... That involves a, a willing uh, trade partner that's looking for what you're selling. Carolina. So, they, yeah, they, yeah, they're yeah. letting there in all go. kinds of goals. Trade CC yeah, the, for Pesci. The Oilers, uh, yeah, the Oilers defensive player isn't exactly a good advertisement for their defenseman. But Kulak and CC, actually CC's been playing really well this year. Yeah, Kulak uh, uh, yeah. Really. But um, um, yeah, I, th- I think either player has value equivalent to his contract. And uh, could help some team, but the Oilers haven't. They got six. They've got seven defensemen who can play in the NHL. Just move one of them because they don't have enough forwards who can play in the NHL. Get another NHL level forward, probably a center. Ken, you know, if Ken Holland failed at anything this summer, Bruce, it was to bring in that fourth line center. Yeah. You know, they 
They okay. apparently they could have traded DeHarnay for Lafferty. Um, it, that's the rumor. Um, hmm. You know, make the, make a trade, make a trade that that uh, solves your problem, moves out some air, like, air you know, the depth on de- defense. You have Nima Linen and um, Gleason in the minors. So I think actually you have two defensemen. If there are injuries, you're eight deep for NHL D-men. Um, so I would make that move. That's what I would do. What would you do? Uh, well, I would do something that was within the key team's capacity to do uh, without needing a trading partner or anything else. And tomorrow morning at, well, tomorrow at lunchtime at noon mountain time i would wave adam ernie and i would call up some other player because well you've already kind of stole my thunder in the sense of ernie's just not cutting it and tonight i saw just a couple of horrendous defensive coverage plays from ernie one of which i posted on twitter i just did a screen grab of where um Ernie and uh, Derek Ryan are both in the same place. Ryan's in the middle of the ice covering the guy on the on the, on the point with the puck, and Ernie's standing right next to him, trying to get in the same shooting lane. He almost had to bowl over Ryan to get to where he wanted to be. In the meantime, Ernie's a left winger. His guy is on the sideboards, nobody around him. Well, guess what? The point man doesn't shoot. He passes over to that guy in the sideboards. That guy makes a cross-seam pass, and they, and they tap one in from right in front. And Ernie was just nowhere, like nowhere close to where he needed to be. And then there was another play later in the game where, uh, again, a play developed from the, from the uh, right-wing boards for uh, Minnesota, and Ernie had... I'm not quite sure how he got to where he was, but uh, he was like way deep in the defensive zone on the right side. I think maybe he was trying to cover for another player, but he wound up not doing his own job. And another 10-bell chance came from that. And I'm watching this and I'm saying, well, it's, it's hard enough to swallow these mistakes from players that maybe provide you a little bit going the other way. Uh, but I'm just not seeing much from Ernie tonight. No shots, one shot, a shot attempt that missed the net, no hits, no block shots, a highly well-deserved minus one in 7.26 of 5-on-5 uh, uh, play in eight, not, a little under nine minutes overall. Well, what is he bringing you in those nine minutes? What I saw was two horrendous coverage errors. And not a hell of a lot of anything else. So let's maybe bring up Lane Peterson, bring up James Hamlin, bring up somebody who can at least play the center position because that's where they're short right now. And honestly, to me, I mean, nothing against Adam Rooney, but I, to my eye, he's just flat out failing the test. Bakersfield must have had a big scoring game because uh, Lane Peterson is now up to four points in three games. Ooh. Oh, they played Raphael Lavoie, three points in three games, two goals. Xavier Borgol. They must have happened tonight. Xavier Borgol, three goals, three points in uh, three games. And Sam Gagne, two points, two assists in one game. So. Um, Henderson, Silver Knights, one, Bakersfield, five. Yeah. Right, we needed some good news here. Uh, 
Henderson scored first. Lane Peterson from Gagne. Lavoie from Peterson and Borgo. Grube from Malone and Hoffenmeyer. Gleason from Gagne and Savoy. Lavoie from Borgo and Peterson. So they had it going on. They got a five, choice of five, three one. forwards there. Peterson, Lavoie and Borgo. Yeah. Um, two of them are centers, but... Uh, no, oh, I'm Mark. sorry. Peterson, Lavoie, and Borgo. Borgo. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think I Hamlin mean, is also a guy they might think about, but more likely Peterson. Yeah. Especially if you I mean, I didn't. I did. <laughs> Peterson was certainly more noticeable than um, Ernie because he can make a play on the attack. I'm not sure about his defense. Um, anyway, I, 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 I quite liked Xavier Borgo in the preseason. Mm-hmm. I thought with a high level of skill and was getting better every game. Um, I wouldn't, if they give Lavoie a chance, that's, they can call him up without having the waiver issue for the, for the next little while here. So, um, yeah, I agree. Bruce, that's now that's probably a much more likely suggestion than the one I made. My mine is like kind of, they're not going to, well, you need a partner and there's no trades happening. So it's, uh, probably, you know, it might you be, know. A, you never know. You never, you never know. know. No, it can happen, but you, you know, you, you uh, you can shake the bushes all you want, and you might find. Depends, a deal I, mean, I don't fits. know who's got injuries on defense. Like you might get you might get someone who needs a player and has an excess have the, has an extra forward that the Oilers want. But yeah, most more likely is what you're suggesting, and most likely is they won't do either uh, of what we're suggesting. So, I've well, someone I was talking to someone on Twitter tonight. He was talking about Adam Ernie getting games because of experience. And I said, he's got 359 NHL games. It's 50-50 whether he'll get to 360. Like, I, I, I honestly expect the Oilers will have to do, they have to do something. They like, do. They can't let a game like that stand. And some poor guy at the bottom of the totem pole might be the odd man out. But in this case, I don't think it would be wrong. Well, if McDavid's out, you could call up a skilled attacking player. Like I, I like to, for your top six, you could bring up or go and play him on the second line, for instance. You know, would that be utter madness? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, he's a highly skilled player, or Lebois, and play the. You know, you don't, you, and then you move Janmark back down the roster, right? Like you don't have to play Janmark with uh, um, Drysaddle and Kane. You could play Lebois or Borgo. All right, Bruce. Lavoie had five shots tonight to lead the team and two goals, and he was named the game's, where did I see that? First star. Lane Peterson, second star. Olivier Rodrigue, third star. Maybe they should call him up, eh? (laughs) Call up Lavoie. Call call up Raphael Lavoie and -hmm. send out Ernie. I mean, Ernie can't kill penalties anyway. Bruce, let's uh, leave it there. Let's leave it there, Dave. Thanks for talking tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.